I'm Alex Maselli, and this is 451 Degrees. This is a podcast on the Unsafe Space Network. We are talking about censorship. So um, I went to grad school for creative writing English. I uh, got my degree in a Kansas college before most of the world hit that area. And I even taught, but I left academia because it is not a very viable, you know, job market right now and hasn't for a while. But uh, I also continued to write novels and poems and plays. But lately I have been doing YouTube videos, mostly Let's Plays and some podcasts with my friend Caleb Beers on his channel. And this is my co-host today. This is Joe Garza. How about you tell the audience about yourself, Joe? Yeah, sure. So thanks all. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really excited for this conversation. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, and uh, uh, there's probably a lot of you who don't know me, um, I am the founder of the Reckless Muse um, publication, which is on Medium. And it's, uh, I started with the intent of kind of doing, of, of really highlighting sort of uh, countercultural um, taking a more heterodox stance against, you know, a lot of this woke stuff, a lot of cancel culture, and just a lot of the threats that I'm seeing uh, that are that artists and, and creators are facing today. And so I started this just about a, a year and a half ago, I believe. And uh, even though it's still pretty small, it's been growing uh, at a pretty decent rate since then. Um, and then just a couple months ago, I started a companion podcast with my friend uh, Ben D'Alessio called The Reckless Musecast. Uh, we've, as of this recording, we've we've done three episodes, um, and same thing there. Like it's just very, it's irreverent, it's fun, and we criticize a lot of this really ridiculous outrage stuff. But at the same time, it's also very pro art. It's pro artists. We care about freedom of speech and freedom of expression, and just making sure that artists have the, you know, just encouraging artists to go out and take risks and try new things and experiment. And if they fail, that's okay. Let's give them a second chance um, because right now. Saying the wrong thing can, uh, uh, e even if you said something bad a few years ago, that's liable enough to come back and ruin your career uh, for years to come. Definitely. Uh, there's no redemption in it. Uh, there's no sense of forgiveness right. uh, or growth at yeah. all in yeah. the current culture, especially when it comes to art. And there are one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast on censorship specifically is because there I've noticed a confusion with a lot of people about what is censorship in the first place. Right. For example, I've heard the argument that it's not censorship unless the government does it. It's <laughs> like, no, it's yeah. not a violation of your First Amendment rights unless right. the government does it. Right. Censorship comes in many, many forms, as we've seen. Uh, we have several types. There's the government one, which is the violation of First Amendment, but it mm -hmm. includes stuff, something like hate speech laws, uh, and calls for private industries to silence specific ideas or people, which we have seen recently right. uh, in our in other countries and in our own country uh, here in the U.S. And then we have this weird thing that happens with intergovernment uh, censorship, where another nation's laws end up censoring our art. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mentioned it happens in video gaming before. I've talked about that. How. Something like Rainbow Six Siege had to remove uh, scroll images because they were putting all the all the servers on the same 
network so that players in China would also be on the American network. And that meant they had to remove certain things or, or the Chinese government would get mad. And we've seen that with Disney and stuff. Have yeah. you seen that before? Like, with, do you have an example I just didn't come up with? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are quite a few. Um, you know, I, I think that the the YA or, or, or the, the young adult um, uh, uh, writing community is pretty censorious. Um, and, and, and same thing there where it's like, even though it might not be censorship in the legal sense or the political sense, um, there are just so many calls for people to, for authors to rewrite something that is considered you know, problematic uh, to a small group of people, um, or in some cases, even to retract their work. Um, I, I think- I, I often call that corporate or industry censorship where yeah. the, the the people at the higher ups go we don't think that this is the right culture for this particular piece so we would like you to change it like yeah. we see that happening and then um and i feel like a lot of that they also do this thing where they uh copyright claim people for yeah. fair use things when people talk about stuff so like for example if someone talks about a movie in a review mm -hmm. on on a platform they may get a copyright claim Right. just for talking about it, just to, as a damage control method, yeah. which is a, a form of censorship that is um, a little less clear, I think, but also still censorship, because if you silence critics, you're still silencing a voice uh, involved. And then, um, then I think sometimes those calls come from journalists or reviewers or influencers on social media. You have to change this or you have to fire someone that happens right. too. And um, like, I've noticed that they, those specific three are able to wield social media against uh, the people they want to silence. So they'll do this thing where they'll whip up a mob, which a mob is a different form of censorship. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I've seen that recently. And that often sometimes leads to social media banning, yeah. and which I've experienced personally in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I, to anyone who doesn't know, you cannot follow me on Twitter anymore because I got kicked off Twitter two weeks ago. Uh, and, and I'm not getting back on. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's wild because it's, um, you know, People who set out to cancel others, they keep hiding behind like, well, the government didn't come after you. We didn't we didn't violate your First Amendment rights. It's like, yeah, but like even though it's still producing the same result, like it's still it's still producing the, the same end result. Like somebody who set out, uh, you know, they're well within their rights to set out and say something or share an opinion or a piece of art or something. Um, but now it's they their their ability to share with others has been drastically reduced. Um, or even in, in other cases, you know, straight up restricted. Um, and so it's, 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 it's kind of a weird thing. And, and, and it's funny, it, it's like, you know, uh, uh, people who, who might not be woke, but they're sort of apologetic. They're sort of like, well, that's, you know, one person got canceled. That's not a big deal. But at the same time, it's like, well, how, how many people does this need to happen to before you start saying, whoa, a lot of people are, are getting kicked off this platform. A lot of people are being, uh, are being forced to apologize or retract their work or their words because they stepped over the line a little bit. Um, it, it, it's weird. It, you know, there are times it, it can be frustrating where it's like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like we're it, like the, I, all of this happened with just the last couple of years. It, and these things are, these, these incidents are completely separate from each other. Um, this isn't some grand conspiracy. This is just pockets of, of 
sort of cultural hall monitors who kind of going around and saying this is offensive, that's offensive, you can't say this. It's it's and and, and the thing that that cracks me up too um, is that so often it's coming from people who are not members of the group who are supposedly being uh, criticized or made fun of in some way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll just use me for example. I'm I'm Mexican, um, so you know, every so often a comedian will get in hot water for making a joke about Mexicans, and it's almost always very progressive white people who are saying that's offensive to Mexicans. But most Mexicans I know are like, ah, I thought it was funny, or I, I didn't I didn't really care one way or the other. <laughs> well, it's sort of like American Dirt. I heard a bunch of um, yes. local writers. I'm in Arizona, where so there's a lot of Hispanic writers here, especially Mexican, and they were like, I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. see what the big deal is. She right. published a book yeah. <laughs> and they don't see why this is such a problem. And I, the first time I noticed that being outraged on someone else's behalf was years ago, back in like 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, I was reading an article about a um, orchestra conductor who he was white and, and from Britain, I believe. Mm -hmm. And his best friend was a opera singer, black man from the South, and they teased each other about what they ate. Mm. So like the black guy would talk about how he would eat like tea and crumpets or whatever. And he would tease yeah. them about collard greens and whatever yeah. and grits. And someone overheard the British guy making uh. these comments and, and, and it was a like middle-aged white woman and yeah. she complained to the orchestra <laughs> foundation and he got fired and his friend was like, I didn't even get asked. No yeah. one asked me if wow. I was offended. And obviously I wasn't because we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's kind of horrible because it's kind of ruining any kind of friendship people could have because they're now they have to be afraid of what they say, even to each other if they're like at a cafe or at their work someone might overhear them and get mad yep. on their behalf and yeah. it's not worth it and i and that brings us to the final form of censorship which is self-censorship right and which is it's bad enough when you're doing it in conversation mm -hmm. but it's way way worse when you're doing it in your art or your scientific research Right. which is where we're seeing it, uh, where we're talking about it a lot, where it's, you know, essentially destroying art and science. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially with, with COVID being such a, you know, uh, a major issue right now, where it's like we can't even discuss, you know, other forms of treatment and you yeah, know, we gotta be, we even have to be careful right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, you because know, I, yeah, it, um, you know, uh, uh, I won't get, get get too caught up in, in, in the COVID side, but but speaking from from the creative artist side, um, the self censorship thing is 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 especially dangerous. Um, there is an author who who I often uh, interact with on Twitter. Um, I'll I'll keep him nameless for now. Uh, he probably wouldn't mind if I mentioned it, but I'll, I'll keep him nameless for now. Um, but uh, uh, he, he's he's been he's been going after he's been criticizing a lot of this woke stuff for a while, and he also teaches at a college level. He, he teaches uh, writing, I believe, and He's, he told me that that some of his students are coming up to him saying, I want to publish this story or I want to submit this story to a, a publication or, or a magazine. But I'm afraid that, you know, because, you know, it doesn't quite tell the line or maybe because the main character is a person of color and I'm white. I don't feel, you know, I, I might have to change the, the ethnicity of the character. Um, that's especially scary to me when it's, you know, 19, 20 year olds 
Um, and it's like, no, you're young and crazy. Like, go just create, like, just go do it. Um, you know, and, and, and I especially want, um, you know, young artists to be like that. I, I can at least understand if, if you're kind of old and whatever, like maybe you're kind of like, oh, I'll soften, fine, I'll go ahead and, and censor this a little bit or I'll go, whatever. It's like, no, you're young and stupid. Go out and do something crazy. Um, well, you should be pushing your boundaries. You should yeah. be pushing the edge in art, like trying right. to find it, especially you when you are discovering yourself as an artist, you should be figuring out exactly what topics you really want to delve into and push. And there, if you're not uncomfortable as the writer, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to make your readers uncomfortable. Right. And, and because it's the same thing of the no tears for the writer, no tears for the reader. Right. So to me, it feels like stifling them is stifling the reader as well. We're, yeah. we're stifling everything. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like literature, uh, contemporary lit, is especially clamped down under this right yes. now, more than probably a lot of other forms of art. Like, it seems like comic books, uh, there's all these indie comic book writers right mm -hmm. now that are doing much better and it, with the internet and everything. Yep. The problem is, I, what I see is that with, when it comes to, to contemporary lit is that there's no access to, you know, the bestseller list because those aren't really about bestsellers. There's yeah. no access to that whole big background of mac marketing that the publishing houses have. And it, over the last 30 years, several smaller publishing houses closed down entirely or mm -hmm. merged with the bigger ones. Right. So it's a lot harder to get support as a, lit, a contemporary lit writer, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, and I can see that uh, for the younger audiences, like young adult and middle grade, mm -hmm. that those are usually really controlled um, by the industry um, because people are very concerned about what their children may be consuming. The problem with that is that um, they trust the publishing houses to do that for them, to police that content for them. And they really could, can't anymore. Uh, and that's really sad because I feel like children have the best imaginations. Hmm. So it's really the best time to introduce them to all kinds of topics and forms of art and pushing the boundaries. It used to be they said that if you can't get an, an adult to read it, then get a kid to read it because hmm. they'll accept it more willingly. Right. And, and But now it's harder to break into that market. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think um, the first time that I really saw just how ridiculous the YA writing community is was um, with Kasoko Jackson, um, and he 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 wrote it, it was his debut novel. So so here I'll, I'll back up real quick. Kasoko Jackson was I believe a sensitivity reader uh, or editor, um, uh, which is which I think that's a really stupid role, <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway. Um, He's he's black and gay, and he was part of um, I don't know if like like maybe it's a community like an online community, and they use the hashtag own voices, and oh, that yeah. yeah yeah so which for those who don't know what that is it's it's when you as the author are writing a story where the the main character shares some kind of identity with you. So if you're female, then your main character's gonna be female. If you're gay, then your main character's gonna be. So he's he was he's black and gay, and the main characters of the stories were were uh, 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 two young gay men. And um, it just got eviscerated, but it, it, it got eviscerated by a handful of people on Goodreads. It wasn't even like it got released 
and then it just people were were offended by his content, and and, and they were they were they were offended because the story took place in during the Kosovo War, and I guess there were some historically inaccurate things, and I think there were some some less than uh, pleasant portrayals of of Muslims in the story. Um, but uh, uh, there was such a huge backlash from the YA community towards Kosoko Jackson, and it's crazy. You, like no matter how high up on the intersectional ladder you are, if you say one thing wrong, they will come after you. Um, but uh, uh, he he basically was pressured into retracting his book, and and then the thing that scared me the most wasn't just the fact that he did it; it was the fact that he was applauded for it. He he got a lot of praise because he said, "I'm not going to publish this book because it hurts some feelings." That scares the hell out of me. Where we're we're actually giving praise to to artists for saying, "I'm not going to I'm not going to share this work." That's the exact opposite of what artists are for. Um, yes, and it sets such a bad precedent. I, I, I don't think that the people involved with that realize just how bad of a precedent they're setting by saying, yeah, it's okay if you think that what you what, what you did was offensive, it's okay to not share it with the world. It's just, it's not going to help us advance as a culture, as a species right. to stifle art. It's, and the fact that we're okay with it right now, like you and I, we're not okay with it. Right. I'm a free speech absolutist. Yep. Um, so, which is why I get banned from Twitter. But <laughs> <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that like so many people, and that's the thing though, is that we we need to be realistic here is that so many vocal people, incredibly vocal or powerful people are pushing this, not necessarily on a grand scale, scale number of people, right. you know, in the, in the long run population wise are actually pushing for this. Right. Most people are too busy to think about this kind of stuff. They don't realize that it's even going on half the time. Uh, like if you're not, if you don't have your finger on the pulse of whatever artistic industry you care about, mm -hmm. you are missing out on all these cultural problems where people are being censored. And I, I try to keep my finger on the pulse of all of them, which makes it a little difficult, yeah. but um, it's even, gotten to the point where you can't it's not just your art but how you present yourself as well because right. you can you can, your art could be completely unoffensive mm -hmm. but if you are not towing the line in how you present yourself in a pr way right you're it's still bad enough and people will go i'm never reading your work again right. I, or buy your book and burn it essentially yeah. Yep. And we see that we've seen that a lot of people say have said there's no there's been no book burnings. And it's like, then you haven't been paying attention because I've seen several. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, not too long ago, there was a um, students at Georgetown University went to the school library and, and were, were pulled out a few hundred books that they consider to be problematic. And they didn't even read the contents of the books. They just they looked at the covers and they said, oh, it's portraying. Uh, blacks as savages. Well, the book was written in 1872 or something. It's like, or like, oh, the, 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 the portrayal of women in this makes them seem docile or something. Like, like just they, they didn't read the books at all. They just they looked at the covers and they said this is problematic, um, and they threw them out. And and that's that's frightening to me because um, the Nazi book burnings. And I and I don't like making Nazi comparisons. You know, it's, it's so overwrought. But the Nazi book burnings were carried out by college students. Um, yeah, of course it had support from the state, but it was carried out by college students. So when you have young people saying this is offensive to me, again, it's one thing if you're if you're a conservative old person and you're saying this is obscene, 
I can at least understand that. But it's like when you're 22 and you're saying, you know, this picture, this book has a picture of a woman and it's provocative and it's sexist. I don't want anybody else to read this book. You, you have better things and more fun things to worry about as a 20 something year old. 20 something uh, year olds though love crusades. That's the yeah. thing. You're, you feel ready to take on the world. True. true and you yeah. want to. So if someone <laughs> gives you a crusade, yeah. You'll, you'll take it up, and especially if everyone around you is taking it up. That's the yeah, sad part. That's is that true. It's very easy to play on that that desire to fix the world. When you're in your 20s, you're an idealist almost every step of the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, that's true. Unfortunately, yeah. and and there it's very easily manipulated that that period of your life. You have right. to be very careful when you're that age. Um, right. And which is why most of us in our thirties and stuff, we look back in that time and we go, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> We've all done stupid shit in our twenties. Yeah. No, yeah. The, I'm not saying that I have it. And that's part of the problem is that 10 years down the line, uh, we're seeing people who, you know, said something that no people find offensive right now, but yeah. that's the problem in 10 years. What did you say that people are going to find offensive? Right. And there, there's no sense of, you know, what comes next, you know, of the long term in this whole cultural anti-speech environment. There is no sense of what if they come for me next? And it's like they will. That's yeah. guaranteed they will. So right. you because you, you're you're not going to keep up with it. You're not going to keep up with the new language. That's not happening. Yeah. So yeah. and the new ideas and they're going to come for you. So you might as well give up on it right now. Yeah. And that's why I say no apologies, no yeah. retractions, no apologies. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's such a huge irony in that the people today who set out to cancel others, they keep saying that they're on the right side of history, but all you have to do is read a history book and you'll see that the people who went out and censored and silenced and deep platformed others, they are constantly on the wrong side of history. Nobody looks back to um, Tipper Gore and the Parents Music Resource Center of the 80s and says, oh, I'm glad that they went after rock and roll music. Oh, I'm so glad that um, you, we had uh, uh, McCarthyism going after Hollywood people because they were supposedly communists. Oh, I'm so glad that Nazis burned all those books. Nobody, nobody looks back fondly on those and says, I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad that they silenced those ideas. Even if I thought those ideas were crazy or offensive, I'm like nobody looks back and says that. Um, and so it's like this weird sort of temporal myopia, like nobody, no, nobody who's part of the sort of cancel culture is, is willing to look past the recent past or, or into like the, the, the near future and say, well, you know, this might get out of hand. Um, or, you know, a few decades ago, like we, we criticized a lot of these people. We thought that the people who were going around silencing others were uptight prudes. Maybe we're doing the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody, nobody's doing that. Well, I think that. I think it's a, it, I've said this earlier um, in the year um, that a lot of these people have an end justify the means yeah. attitude. So yeah. it's okay for them to do it because yeah. of their ends. But the problem is with that, everybody thinks that way who yeah. does, you know, on the opposite side, they think that way too, like yeah. Tipper Gore. Yeah. She thought that was reasonable. Right. Everyone who has a crusade thinks they're on the right side of history. Yeah. So that's the problem with crusades yeah. is that they're blinding. They teach you myopia. They, they prevent you from seeing what other people see when, when they see your actions, you know, what you're doing is wrong, no matter how you slice it, who, it doesn't matter who's doing the action. If it's censorship, it's wrong. Right. 
Right. And that's a big problem. A lot of people think that, oh, uh, it's not a big deal if the private industry does it. And it's like, it is still a big deal. It is yeah. an incredibly big deal. Yeah. And especially as we call more and more digital, yeah. uh, the more and more we're online, the more and more our content is not physical, the more important it is that we don't allow private industry to censor. And I, a lot of people don't realize that, that at some point they're gonna come for you and your speech, whoever's in charge you don't know who's going to be in charge in 15 years and 20 years. Don't let yeah. them set this precedent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's the thing. I mean, you know, the, the, the pendulum always swings. Like we've seen censorship coming from the religious right, And now we're seeing it from the, uh, the zealous left. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if 10, 15 years, you know, the right gains more institutional power and starts going after ideas it considers to be bad. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to keep going back and forth. Um, and I think the thing that's so frustrating about this is that, like, all we have to do, like I said, is read one history book, any country, really, <laughs> any era. And we can be like, yeah, the people who, who were in charge, who thought that they, they that they had cracked the code of morality and that um, and and that they had a uh, sole copyright on what's, what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. They always end up being the bad guys. Um, it's like, we have so much access to that knowledge and yet nobody's willing, like see, see like very few people uh, are willing to just crack open a book or even just read a Wikipedia article. Don't read, don't read a book, just read a Wikipedia article. And Wikipedia <laughs> is incredibly censored, but even that is a better source yeah. for knowing the history. Like if you look at far history, like for yeah. example, if you look at, what happened with uh, Jonathan Swift? Mm. He po he published almost everything he wrote under pseudonyms yeah. because they didn't have free speech laws in England mm. at, during his life, right. and he knew that if he published them under his name, he would get arrested and tortured mm. for sedition. Right. And like um, everyone knows, a modest proposal, and it really blew up. And yeah. But he was already a hero to the Irish people before Amato's proposal. Modern readers know Amato's proposal, but right. at the time, everyone knew about his um, his pamphlet about don't take the new coin in mm -hmm. uh, Ireland. So he was already a hero. That's the problem, though, is that everybody knew he wrote these, Yeah. but it couldn't be proven in a court of law. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, one of his publishers was even uh, taken by the state and tortured to Jeez. give up his name yeah and his publisher never did wow. luckily yeah. but see that's the thing you can see what what lengths are they willing to go to find out who's the problem right. in russia during the ussr uh there was a painting called the black square that they hated because it wasn't commissioned by the government by the state yeah. and that was the that was a problem yeah. uh, because it means that something exists outside the state and this is a this is such a big thing you can see it in history forever all over the world you can see it in chinese history you can see it in japanese history it doesn't freaking matter you yeah. check anywhere you will see that censorship has negative impacts right yeah no absolutely um it's it's i see very few people um very few prominent figures in this discussion talking about the ramifications of their actions it's one of those things where it's like maybe maybe it'll solve a minor problem now sure maybe that book or that joke or that movie or that song perpetuated a negative stereotype or crossed the boundaries or something and maybe it'll make a few people feel comfortable now but when other when everybody else starts doing it like that's I, I, 
that's the thing. And 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 I don't mean to get 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 too off topic here, but but you know, um, when I see people having political discussions, I see very few people um, willing to put limiting principles on their own ideas. It's either like 100% this or 100% that. Nobody's willing to say, you know, I'm in favor of this idea. But I think it can go too far. It's like, it's like if you're if you're at least willing to allow some wiggle room, then we can have a reasonable conversation. Um, but when it comes to a lot of this cancel culture stuff and and censoring and deplatforming and whatever you want to call it, I don't really see anybody saying I think that this person deserves to be kicked off the platform. But that's it. After that, that's or 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 you know or, or when you cross this line, that's when it gets bad. Again, I still disagree with that. But at least it's like okay, at least put in the effort. To, to 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 have some kind of foresight about where your ideas can go, um, but I'm not seeing it. It's all about the present. It's all about I, I want to be made. I want to be made to feel comfortable right now. Um, well, and, there's yeah. there's some idea that scientifically our brains can't see f much further into the future than like a few days. Like right. we like and depending like I you see it in business. Businesses make decisions for the now that totally screw their future all the time. Right. And you see it with consumer behavior a lot. So the idea that it happens in politics, unsurprising yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, and the, I think a lot of it is like an impulse control problem. Like you don't, you're not planning for your future, essentially. Oh, right. you're, you have no idea how to do that. Maybe no one ever taught you how. And that's kind of sad. And maybe you should work on it. Like, right. <laughs> I don't yeah. necessarily think that that <laughs> makes you a bad person, that yeah. you were not given those tools. Because not, I mean, it's not a tool most people are given in the first place. Right. But the problem is, is that when you start pushing policy that affects all these other people's lives, based on your lack of foresight, now we have a problem. Right. And yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and there's something incredibly selfish about all of these calls for, for deplatforming or, or whatever. Um, just because you found this comedian to be offensive doesn't mean that everybody else has to share your, your, your moral sensibilities. Um, it's so, 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 so one of the things that I've been kind of trying to refine over the last couple of years as I've kind of gotten into this, this culture war and everything um, is that I don't, I, I find myself caring less and less about what offends people because I think everyone has certain offenses. I, I, you know, I, I think offense can be sort of like, um, like fear, like we can have irrational fears, just like we can have irrational offenses. So it's like, oh, that's fine. This thing bothers you. That's fine. But you can just change the channel. You can just not buy that book. You can be like, yeah, that comedian's not for me. I'm not going to see them perform live. Okay, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to criticize you. So I find myself, you know, not criticizing people because they're offended by something that that doesn't offend me. Because I'm sure there are plenty of things that offend me that other people will think are pretty trivial. But what I what I try to focus on is is what people do with that offense. Is um, changing the channel, not buying the book, not supporting that comedian. Sure, don't buy the ticket. Okay, that's fine. Um, but now you're preventing other people from having a good time. You're preventing other people from, and that's the thing about art too, is that art can be such a, a moving experience and you're removing that opportunity for a lot of people simply because it didn't affect you in the way that the artist intended. Um, so it's, and it's funny, this is coming from the group that, that claims to be on the side of compassion and benevolence. Like, no, this is incredibly <laughs> selfish. It is incredibly selfish uh, because it's not only, it's not only, not only is the audience losing out on an experience that they could love, but it's also making artists lose out on income and, you know, um, a support. Right. That's 
And this is the thing, too, is that we've seen enough artists kill themselves throughout history because of those issues yeah. that it's kind of important that we not do that. Yeah. Uh, the author of A Confederate of Dunces, he killed himself because he never got his book published in his lifetime. Yeah. And that's kind of serious. Someone died. I, I know it's really hard to conceptualize that when you don't know this person, when you never met them, when you never saw them. Right. But it is a human being just yep. because it's not directly in front of you. And that's a big problem right now with the digital world is mm -hmm. conceptualizing the fact that these are human beings you're talking about with hopes and desires and loves and things they want in their life and turmoil that they may experience. Right. It's so hard to conceptualize that. Instead, it's so easy for someone to come along and tell you, if you do this one thing, these people, these nebulous people, this nebulous group of people you've never met is going to be happy. Right. And and that all you have to do is sell out that one person. Yeah. You don't know yeah. that person though, so it doesn't matter. Right. That's right. what's going on. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's another big irony too, because if a feminist gets piled on on Twitter, then you know all, all these articles rush to her defense saying, oh, like she's being, she's experienced all this harassment. And, I, and I'm still willing to be like, okay, fine. She said something ridiculous. She shouldn't, you know, people are saying some, some horrible, nasty things to her. Yeah, that's fucked up. But if a comedian says something offensive on Twitter and they get piled on, nobody, like very few mainstream publications will take the side of the comedian. It's always like, whoa, uh, it, it's just criticism. It's, it's just backlash. Um, yeah. But when it's the feminist, then, it, then it's abuse. Then it's harassment. It's so weird when they decide what is criticism and what is abuse. It's right. like I, th telling someone you wish they were raped, you wish that they would die, that someone would, you know, whatever horrible, violent thing. That's yeah. abusive. Yeah. You know, that's an abusive thing to say to people. But telling people, I think you're being illogical because of this fallacy and that fallacy and you're ignoring this data that's criticism right or like i'm or this one i'm sorry i just don't agree agree with you hmm. just stated yeah. plainly like that yeah. is not yeah. abuse yeah yeah <laughs> it's like i'm sorry when oh i don't i didn't agree with you okay then and this is the thing too is that if my my opinion on experiencing abuse on the internet is to block the person yeah. don't don't I don't even feel the need to kick them off. I'm just like I just don't want to hear from them anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you don't if you don't like me, block me. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but don't kick yeah. me off the platform. <laughs> right, right. No, that's the thing is, is that I um uh, uh members of 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 this sort of outrage culture they don't realize the amount of autonomy they have over their own emotional comfort. Like, I don't even care if you prioritize your emotion, your own emotional comfort. Like, that's fine. Only follow people who, <laughs> who, who, uh, uh, agree with you. Fine. Um, but it's like, nothing is stopping you from just clicking block or mute or unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. It's, instead of forming a mob yeah. and to teach someone off or right. shut start them a petition, start a petition yeah. or whatever. It's like, it's the most ridiculous. You have you it, like, it, it it takes so much more emotional effort, I think, to like start a petition and rally the troops to go after somebody than it is to be like, ah, this this person's comment ruined my day. I'm gonna block them. I'm gonna go watch funny cat videos. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Go do what you want. That's like I don't yeah. care. But <laughs> oh, and then I I think a lot of people don't have a lot of understanding that of all the things in the world, the one thing that you have control over is yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like 
guaranteed. Yeah. If you're not, and if you're willing to give up that con that control of the only control that you really truly have, I yeah. question why. Right. What what are you giving it up for? Probably nothing good. Honestly, yeah. it's not going to be worth it. Right. And right. that's the problem with with these censorship campaigns that are pushing for like an industry to standardize. A, a form of censorship you know we don't want this idea out there anymore essentially yeah. what you're saying is i don't want that control i don't want that control over whether or not i see it mm. uh instead i would like to pretend as if it these people don't exist yeah yeah and i would like to bar other people from seeing them yeah because then they won't talk to me about that person either right. and that's that's really unsavory yeah and immature <laughs> right and i don't think that they realize just how badly that weapon can be pushed again can be used against them as well um so maybe a comedian gets silenced because they said something that was uh critical of feminism it's like well, well so you just you made up an excuse to 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 to, to get this person deplatformed or or whatever and but now I can just make him an excuse to be like, well, that feminist author, she hates men. She's she's uh, she, I, I want her kicked off of Twitter. I want so you could start another a big petition. So I was like, yeah, like I, I, they have no idea just how much uh, of a powerful weapon. Um, and, and, and this is a weapon that like anybody can pick up and use. It's not like they have you know, you know uh, sole ownership of it. Well, and you could just lie. Yeah, that's exactly. the problem yeah. with it yeah. is that it's a weapon that has no uh, due process. Right. So you can make up anything you wanted to say. For example, if you haven't read J.K. Rowling's uh, essay, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, that has gotten her in so much trouble, yep, yep. the things they say she said mm -hmm. and the things she actually said are worlds apart. Yes. <laughs> and, and essentially they're banking on the outrage people to never read what she wrote or to never read it with an open mind to actually hear what she said. Right. Right. And that's the, that's what we see a lot of It's they, they just make crap up about people yeah. like you, th these buzzwords essentially that are cancellation triggers. Yeah. And it's yeah. really, it's really distasteful. And it's the fact that it totally lacks any kind of due process, any kind of, justice to it even though they claim it's social justice <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is just it's disheartening and it's frightening and it really needs to stop it's like wake up this will happen to you yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i think i think the first big example of that that i saw uh, when i already started paying attention with what's going culturally was with james damore and the google memo um same thing there i read that memo as like like the morning that that news broke that he got fired from from google before I even read any articles, I was like, okay, I'm going to read what that memo is. I'm going to read it first, and then I'll start reading the news and, and people commenting on it. And I read it. I was like, okay, yeah, all right, makes sense. What's so, so, so why are people offended by this? And then and then I went back, and it's like, he didn't say that. That's not what he meant by that. You took that out of context. That's not what the point of it was. Um, yeah, it's insane. It's, it, it's, it's, it's people divorced from reality, um, and they're just yeah. kind of making up their own. You know what's crazy? This predates the internet. A lot of people don't. A lot of people think that this is a problem of the internet, but it isn't actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you read something like Steven Pinker's *The Blank Slate*, he talks about assaults on um, research papers that people mm -hmm. wrote, where people had a campaign among the academia to, you know, retract this paper. This 
book because right. it said things they didn't like and they lied about what it said. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is not new. This is not a new thing that's happening. The problem is, is that the internet makes it faster. Yeah. Yes. It, it it has way more traction with the speed of communication we are dealing with now, as right. opposed to before it was somewhat harder because of a petition meant a paper and you get people to sign it. And now it's a digital thing and you could get thousands of people to sign it within an hour. Right. Right. <laughs> And this actually, this reminds me a little bit of, of the Tipper Gore thing um, when uh, um, uh, the singer from Twisted Sister, uh, he went to go testify to Congress and she called out a Twisted Sister song called Under the Blade. And she accused the song of, 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 of being about um, sadomasochism. And he goes, no, it's actually not. It's about my friends. It's about my friend undergoing throat surgery. Like, <laughs> and and, and there's, there's, I definitely recommend people checking it out, though the whole thing's up on YouTube. But um, Dee Snyder, the, the, the singer, he said, Tipper Gore, um, she had S&M on her mind. And so when she listened to that song, she found it. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and so Al Gore was there, too. So it's like he's, calling, he's, he's making fun of, her, of uh, his wife in front of her. Um, but uh, it, you know, that's the other thing, too, is like, um, when we constantly look at art and 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 works of pop culture through our own moral lens, like it, it becomes much easier to find things that offend us and much easier to justify why this thing should be banned. Instead of stepping back and be like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what, what the song is really about. I wonder what this novel is really about. Instead, it's like, no, it offends me. Therefore, it must be bad. It must be obscene. Therefore, it's worth getting rid of. Yeah, there was a poet from, uh, I want to say the early 19, uh, 20th century, who wrote about abortions mm. and she wrote them so well though, mm. that people didn't, couldn't tell whether or not she was pro choice or, you know, pro life. They could yeah. not tell. They thought oh, some, wow. some readers brought to it that, Oh, she has had abortions and it reminded me of my abortion. And then some readers were like, I love that she thinks that this is terrible. And I'm like, that's, that's really good writing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's damn good writing and most but the problem is is that you're not going to get most readers uh especially if they've gone to college and been taught the lenses uh to not come at it with the lens right that's the problem right now is that because um our education is so industrialized yeah. in this country incredibly so i don't agree with it having been a former educator myself, I don't think it's uh, working. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> right, right. I think our results are speaking for themselves as not being uh, necessarily good. And the problem is though, is that we're, we're teaching every student exactly how to look at every piece of work, every right. single one, including music, uh, paintings, drawings, written words, anything, like whatever the professor says or teacher says to the student, that's what the student's supposed to think. And the thing is though, is that this is what I notice is that those professors and teachers pick that up from their professors and teachers. Yeah. So it's like, where is the original thought? Is it going back 60 years at this point? <sighs> yeah. Um, that's especially frustrating. I mean, you know, we're seeing this with with um, more and more schools are getting rid of To Kill a Mockingbird from the curriculum. And it's like, 
that book is obviously like genuinely anti-racist, not the stupid pop anti-racist that we're seeing nowadays, but it's genuinely against racism, but simply because it addresses racism, simply because it uses the N-word or because Harper Lee was not black. Um, it's like we're finding all these rid ridiculous reasons um, to cancel a book that actually has a lot of really useful um, and beneficial life lessons in it. Um, but, but that's the thing, like, like it, 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 it seems like, like, you know, there's, there's, there's not as much of an incentive to teach students like, okay, what are, what are the, the qualities and, 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 but what are maybe, maybe some of the negative elements of it? Like, let's look at both sides of it, but no, it's like, it, it's, it's still triggering. So we can't have it near the students. I know um, post-colonial theory, which is one of the critical theories, uh, it was for literature first. Mm. Um, that's where it hit first. And right. um, one of the big proponents of it, he wrote about Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. And yes. he said, and he was like, it's so racist. It's so racist. I didn't know about his writings when I read Heart of Darkness, which I don't like that book, but for different reasons. Right. right. Uh, I just... And Boring as hell. <laughs> yes, it's essentially. But yeah. there is a scene in it called that every a lot of people in academia refer to as the Grove of Suffering mm. or the Grove of Despair. It's where uh, the main character first comes to Africa and he's walking through to the building, you know, uh, after getting off the boat and he sees all these local black people. Uh, the local Africans dying. Mm. They're they're overworked. They're starved. They're they're dehydrated. They're like just laying there under trees with sparse, uh, you know, shade. It's horrible. Yeah. And and I was like, he's very clearly trying to say that this is awful. Yeah. Like it's yeah. there's no question about it. Right. He's saying that this this disposal and use of the local Africans is horrifying. Yeah. So to say that the heart of darkness is racist, racist. where are you getting yeah. that from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and this is a problem though with with satire or any kind of um, older political con uh, writing is that. People do this thing where they present an idea, you know, something that's happening, and they're like, look at how horrible it is. It's yeah. so horrible. And the reader is going, oh, my God, that's so horrible. Why would you write about it? Yeah. And you're like, that's the wrong response. <laughs> right. Because we saw, we actually saw that with Amato's proposal. When he, when people read that, they were like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you write about eating the Irish babies? <laughs> and, and it's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. He's talking about how the English are using the Irish. And that's your outrage is totally justified, but you're pointing it in the wrong direction. And, right. and it keeps happening. Every time that satire is brought up, you know, when it first comes out, people react like that. They knee jerk. And it's yeah. like, wait, take a breath. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We see that all the time today with, with, with comedy and satire. And, and one of the things that, that, uh, uh, you know, people like like the ones you just described. What they don't understand is that um, just because something is the subject of the joke doesn't mean it's the target of the joke. Um, Joe Rogan talked about this a while back. Um, he had he, he had a comedian on his show, but but he said he was talking about how um, if you're a white comedian and you get up on stage and and just mentioning, oh yeah, so this black guy and this and and his white girlfriend are, are hanging out one day, people automatically in the audience get tense, like oh a mixed race couple, oh and it's coming from a white guy, uh oh. 
is hold on, listen to the joke first, where it's like just touching the subject of race, if you're white, is enough for people to get on edge. Um, but it's ridiculous, though. It's 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 getting to a point where it's not even bad, you know, it, where like, of course, it's in their minds, it's bad to make fun of something, but just bringing it up, if you're not of the right identity, that's enough to get you in trouble. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, it's because they that whole idea of punching up or punching down in comedy. Uh, that's a relatively new concept that's come out of this culture of censorship yeah. where they say, and the first time I saw an infographic on it, I was like, this is the dumbest example I've ever seen. The yeah. comedian says, the only way I can get sex is if I date rape. <laughs> and and a woman in the audience is like, my date rape was the worst experience of my life. And I'm sure yeah. it was. Yeah. But that's a bad example. He is not punching down. He yeah. is punching at himself. Right. He's right. saying he's so pathetic that he's basically a criminal. And it's yeah. like, that's not yeah. a joke about rape victims. Yeah. Just bringing up the subject is not enough to say it's offensive. Right. And and I, ever since then, I've been like on the lookout for this bullshit. Because <laughs> I was like, that is just the worst example you could have possibly come up with. I yeah. have seen punching down that I thought was offensive, which I'm just like, not going to watch it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's my response. And tell people, I don't, I didn't like it because of this reason, not saying you can't like it. And I want that guy to never perform again. No, that's not the appropriate response. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of, of another comedian. Same thing, where his joke could actually be seen as a very progressive, uh, 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 you know, being very sympathetic to, to progressive ideas. Um, but he got criticized for it. I can't remember the name of the comedian. I should, I should have, uh, uh, I should have prepared more for this. But, uh, um, but, but, but the joke, uh, he was on Joe Rogan talking about this. But, but he, but the joke was something like, um, you know. Uh, now I know that being gay isn't a choice. Now I know that, be, that being gay is something that you're born with because there's such a thing as gay black men. Black men don't wake up saying, oh, I wish my life were harder. And so, <laughs> and so the comedian, he said that he got in trouble. He, 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 was, he was at a college and he, he, and he told that joke and then they pulled him aside and then he couldn't, he, he couldn't perform the rest of the show. And he goes, I'm sympathizing with gay black people. Like, I, like I'm saying, like, yeah, it's probably difficult being black. It's probably more difficult being black and gay. Like, I'm sympathizing with them. That is literally the intersexuality, intersectionality, like, hierarchy thing. Yeah. He's actually saying that, yeah, they do have it worse. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem is that they don't. A lot of this ha comes down to a lack of intelligence right. or laziness of thought. Well, one, pick your poison, essentially, is right. that either they're too, this person is too dumb to understand what's going on, because I'm sorry, humor especially is clever, it's intelligent, yep. it has to be, yep. that's what humor comes from, is from intelligence, right. and, or it's, they're too lazy to think about it, Right. and right. I, lazy thinking is probably, to my mind, worse. <laughs> I think so too, and I think I think social media has has had a big part in, in that. Where it's like you know the best way you know like uh, uh, you know some threads go viral, but like the ones that the, the, the tweets that usually go the most viral are are, are the outrage. It's it's the profanity laden, you know, uh, 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 angry opinion about something, and it's like yeah, I feel the same way too. It's like but but you know very few people go oh I don't know about this. I'm on the fence about that, or eh, I can pick that apart a little bit. Um, it's it's made it's made lazy thinking a lot faster. 
It has because it's so easy to hit that send button, yeah. you know, you're like it's just so easy to type that out and hit send and then wait for the likes and the retweets, you know, right. it's so, so pleasing. Right. Uh, right. And, and to me, I'm sort of like, maybe it's a good thing I'm off Twitter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, I mean, is it burning your brain out to be on Twitter all the time? I was on Twitter all the time, like all day long. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, the problem is that I, why I say it's not okay that they ban me, that they ban anyone, is that um, I don't think we should give up this, the Twitter space. I don't, right. that, that's essentially every social media platform is a battleground at this right. point. Yeah. And we cannot give them up just because it seems like we're losing especially when news organizations or companies go look at twitter twitter says this so we're gonna do it well we have to make sure that we're also on twitter to tell them no we don't want you to do that don't fire that person don't cancel this project you right. know it, it's still a place to speak out yes yes um and it also makes it a lot easier to see you know the the the, the crazy ideologues um, uh, so in some ways, you know, as, as, as frustrating as being on Twitter can be, um, it also makes it a lot easier to see, I don't want to call them enemies, but, you know, at least, <laughs> but, you know, people who are enemies to free thought, it makes it a lot easier to see them. Um, it, it makes it a lot easier to, to, to know exactly what it is that I'm, I'm, I'm fighting against and, and, and it makes it easier to see who I'm fighting for. Um, you know, I've definitely met a lot of really cool people on Twitter, um, so, so, and, and I think that, you know, we've, uh, uh, we're starting to see more and more communities build around, you know, going out that, that, that are, that are against a lot of this ridiculous woke bullshit. Um, yeah. And that is definitely something people need to do. They need to speak out yes. in any form that they can, even right. if they're anonymous, yeah. even if they, they're not willing to put their face or their name on it. I still think their voice will matter. Right. Uh, we've seen, uh, anonymous writing in throughout history has made huge changes. As I said, Jonathan Swift never published under his own name. Right. So it's right. like you have to remember that that doesn't make your point less valid. And right. uh, and I definitely think that everyone who watches this, who watches an unsafe space or anything like this, should speak out as right. often as they can, wherever they can. Right, right. Even that that means writing a letter to your city council. Yes. It's yes. definitely something that needs to be done. <laughs> and it's something that that I, I encourage artists and creators to do. Like stick up for each other. Even if you disagree with the person, even if even if you're very progressive and the person who got canceled voted for Trump, stick up for them. Um, because they'll come after you too. It doesn't matter who you voted for. Like you you can claim to be on the right side of history, you can claim to be an ally to all marginalized groups, but all you're doing is, is you know, like the way I see it is, is that you know, when I see prominent figures um, go out of their way to claim to be an ally for this movement or for that group, um, the way so social justice works nowadays is that it's 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 really more akin to to making a deal with with the mafia, where it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you we'll, we'll give you this protection, but uh, you have to stay in line. You got to make sure that you pay your dues and this and that. It's like that's not a partnership you want to be part of. Um, you you want to be with people who are going to have your back no matter what. Um, even if you disagree with them, even you, you, you're completely different from them politically. Um, when if they go after the person um, 
who said something wrong, it's, especially nowadays with, with the thing that's considered wrong, keeps changing, it keeps shifting, it keeps growing. Um, they'll come after you too. So it's better to have like this network of people who you might disagree with on certain things, but 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 build that network. Start 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 making connections with people, and 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 there's so much common ground where it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we all just want the same freedom to be able to express ourselves and try new things and to fail and to still get that second chance to try again. We all want that for for ourselves and we want it for each other. Um, so yeah, I you know whatever creative medium you're working in, go out and 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 fight for 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 everyone, for everyone who's creating. Yeah, anyone. And don't let anyone be silenced. Right. I know I, I feel like this is probably the most important part of all of this is that it doesn't matter who's trying to do the silencing. Yeah. If it's the government, if it's intergovernment, if it's corporate industry, an influencer, a journalist, the mob, yeah. Yeah. Um, social media industries trying to take you down right. or even yourself. Don't let censorship silence you and don't right. let it silence others either. Most important thing. Right. Even if it's coming from your own side, even if it's coming from people that, that you like and you agree with, you, you, you know, I definitely encourage people to be civil about it. Um, don't, don't make enemies um, if you don't need to, but uh, even though it, it is fun though, um, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, you know, uh, not so long ago, somebody posted something on Twitter. They said something like, um, yeah, I understand the nuance of, of criticizing your own side, but at the same time, you're also giving more ammunition to the opposing side. It's like, yeah, to an extent, but I think also the the like the more you 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 dig your your heels in for a side that's that's um, that's in favor of ideas that you're strongly against, but you're going along with it. That also gives ammunition to the other side. When you want to say, hey, look, guys, I agree with you on, on a lot of things, but we can't do this. That actually makes you look better to the opposing side. That makes them that they're more likely to be like, oh, you know, maybe there are some there are some good people on the other side. Maybe I can maybe they're worth talking to. Well, that's integrity. If right. you have integrity, almost everyone who also has integrity is willing to recognize that. Right. And right. that's the important thing in all this. And to me, the integrity is don't silence anyone. Right. That's right. the the thing to stand on yeah. for any reason and right. on any in any way. Uh so uh, do you have any final thoughts for this? Yeah, um, I just want to end uh, uh, on a little bit of a uh, little more advice for, for aspiring creators. Um, try to make bravery uh, of a habit, even if you don't have a large audience. Um, be willing to, to, to stick to your guns. Be willing to, um, to not apologize, to not explain simply because a handful of people are offended because it'll make it a lot easier for other people to stick by your side it'll make it a lot easier for other artists to not give into the mob um start setting that precedent no matter how big or small your audience is start setting that precedent of like look if you don't like my work that's fine don't support me go support someone else um but yeah uh just start you know no matter how small the act is start trying to make bravery um an important part of your own craft so, yeah, I think that's. I think that's really good. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, this was really awesome. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining me for this. This was 451 Degrees, the new censorship podcast on the Unsafe Space Network. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Joe. And if you guys could please walk your fingers over to the subscribe and like button, we would really appreciate it. And if you wanted to comment on any possible censorship you've experienced in your own life or that you've seen recently, please leave a comment below and we might talk about it next time. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to its thinky talk. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and will be recycled as part of our sustainability program. Here's a fun fact, there is literally no downside to unreserved obedience. We are not violent. But I would like to remind you that we have nukes and F-15s. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.